Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Hello, this week's episode is another replay episode, and I talked in our first episode of the month that I was going to do an episode about emotional eating, which I think I will replug at some point because I think it's such a good episode with a therapist. But today it was just like more so on my heart to post the repost the episode that I recorded with my good friend Jylan, who's been on the podcast multiple times. She's also a therapist and she directly talks about increasing confidence. So I don't really know why I didn't plan to repost it at the beginning, like in my whole plan for this month, but it's okay. Um, I just feel like this is an episode a lot of people need to hear about. I feel like I have a lot of clients right now that are struggling with confidence. And I think this more so comes into play when you're at a lower body weight and it's just really hard to lose the weight compared to when you're at a higher body weight, but it can still happen when you're at a high body weight too. Research that suggests that people who have a higher confidence level when they are at their current body weight tend to have better weight loss results overall. Um, I don't know the scientific reason why, but I will just say that we notice in our practice, if you are able to be consistent without the scale dictating like, hey, I lost weight this week, it means I'm going to keep it up. But if you're just like, regardless, like I'm confident in who I am, I'm choosing to improve my health and eat healthier and be more active for reasons beyond weight loss, even though weight loss is one of them, we find that clients are more consistent with it because they're trying to do the things we tell them because it's like a core value. It's not like, well, when I lose weight, that's when I'm going to keep doing it. Like we kind of need to get beyond that because there are weeks where you're not going to lose weight. But anyway, I hope that you get a lot out of this episode. I definitely have learned so much from this episode for myself that I make sure to always think about, to think about improving my confidence and always So another thing is just like, if you feel like you're upset about your weight loss or your weight journey or your health journey right now, maybe ask yourself too, like, how do you feel in other areas of your life? Because one big thing I learned from this episode is that if we already feel bad about ourselves in one other area that's not related to weight loss in our lives, like work or relationship or hair, I don't know, something like that, we're also likely not going to feel good about our weight. So maybe evaluate your overall confidence, not just your confidence in your body. Welcome back to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. Isla is here, your founder, CEO, and host of our podcast. And today I'm going to talk about confidence. So almost every client that I work with says that they want to feel better in the sense of being okay with taking pictures, trying on clothes, and even going out on dates. But when I ask them if this means they want to increase confidence, 
they normally say yes. So what is interesting is that I find that clients actually increase their confidence with the actions they take instead of just the number on the scale, like knowing that they are taking control over their health or that they are eating more produce or that they have more energy and they're in control of that now. They seem to feel better about themselves knowing that they're taking control of their health, actually just feeling more energized, less bloating, and know how to eat in every situation. I didn't realize there was a connection before counseling people through weight loss. Um, And I even found that some research suggests that weight loss may not always be correlated to increased body image. So we need to learn how to increase our body image or improve it outside of just the scale. So Jylan, who is a friend and a licensed professional counselor, is going to help us with that. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jylan. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yeah. So John was on another episode, episode 32. So you can go listen to that if you kind of want to know the lowdown on her. Um, But let's just hop in. So I always like to ask our guests kind of like what meals, foods, or any like things you're enjoying recently that's kind of like wellnessy that people can be inspired by. Do you have anything in the moment or even just like foods you're liking at the moment? Yeah. Um, so I think recently, like I've, um, started sauteing like spinach and peppers. I'm just trying anything to get my kids into vegetables. Um, and it's freaking delicious. Like I had, I just typically roast my stuff in the oven, but sauteing them has just added like, I don't know, lots of flavor. So we just, um, that and let's see, like sushi. I've been really, I've always been a sushi, but more now. Yeah, now that you can have it and you're not pregnant. <laughs> yeah, right, right. All the raw things, give them to me. <laughs> Do you put any seasonings in the spinach? That's good. I always like struggle with sauteed spinach because it gets like kind of a weird consistency and sometimes I gross myself out. Right, yes, this is true. Um, So like there's, we actually like the seasoning brand called Kinder's. We discovered it, I think like on Amazon. And it's like, it's called like, I think Master Salt. And we just sprinkle it on the spinach and add some butter because we're in the South. And it's freaking delicious. Like, now that you think, it, now that you say it gets soggy, I'm like overthinking. Oh myself. no! <laughs> but it's so no. good. You should try it. Okay. Okay. And do you just use like bell peppers or what kind of peppers? Use bell peppers. Um, yeah, either like the big bell peppers or the like little mini bell peppers. We mm. love. Them. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. And your kids like it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Ava. Like they're really into like eating the rainbow. Um. Ava doesn't really understand it, but Chase, who is four, is like, oh my gosh, like I get to eat colors. And I'm like, you can. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love yeah. that. Oh, yeah, they love it. Oh, cute. Um, well, mine is I've like recently become obsessed with this dark chocolate bark from Trader Joe's. It's like oh not gosh. anything that's like super, super healthy. But dark chocolate does I found out recently dark chocolate has a little bit more fiber than regular chocolate. So I'm like, okay, that's a win. Um, at least it's like helping fill me up, help my gut, but it is so good. I love dark chocolate that has like any salt and then this has like pretzels and almonds in it. So it has like a little bit of a different taste. And I learned this a long time ago in like science class that there's something about dark chocolate that helps you to not like overeat it. I don't know what it is, something about it. I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't taste as like good and sweet as regular chocolate. So I find that I don't like overeat on it. Like I really feel fine with like one piece as opposed to like needing like a whole bunch of brownies or cheesecake or something like that. So I guess that's something too that could help. Oh my gosh. Almonds, dark chocolate. That sounds like kryptonite, but yeah, I can see why dark yeah. chocolate would be like you, we wouldn't overindulge in it because I think it's, it's just so rich. Yeah, exactly. Chocolate, You're just like, yeah. Give it all. <laughs> eat it all. yeah. So if you're a trader, just looking for it, looking for something, that's my recommendation of the week. Um, they always but- have some good stuff. Yeah. So for the article that I picked for us today, I'm excited because I wanted to have a therapist to kind of go over this. It's a trend on TikTok from a while back 
Um, and it's all about the almond mom. Um, so if you're not on TikTok, you might not really know what it is. And so one of the articles here, let me find it, had like an exact description of kind of what it is. Okay. And almond mom is overbearing about what the daughter eats. Bender explains she's obsessed with food and diet culture. In one video, Bender posing as an almond mom asked her child if she is really hungry or just bored in another sets out Halloween candy and then slaps away hand grabbing for some. So this was kind of a trend on TikTok a while back. And so these two articles, Teen Vogue and then um, Newsweek cover it. And I didn't realize that it kind of came from Yolanda Hadid. So if anybody watched like the original Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, this was like all filmed, which I watched it, but I guess I didn't really think much of it because it was like just that time, like Gigi is her daughter. I don't know. It just kind of seemed normal. And then people are pointing out that it was probably really problematic. And now I'm like, yeah, I guess it was, but it's weird that you don't realize it when you're looking at it. But what were your thoughts overall about like this concept or these articles or anything like that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I thought like, um, holy crap, like this is horrible to think that, um, a society as a whole, like I think about girls and women in general, you know, we're sort of like, when you think about it, we're socialized to be perfect, to have the perfect hair, to have like um, a body that needs to look a certain way. And it made me think about how much like this is related to like self-esteem and body image and our perception of ourselves, which essentially is what body image is, right? It's not um, like the, um, our body in its aesthetics way or self, like it's like our perception of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And to hear and read about and watch the video. Um, I like, it made me think about like all the influences that we have that, that influence our perception, like everything from like our family from when we're itty bitty, right. Um, to like social media, um, literally everything that's thrown at us that can just sort of like distort the way that we think about our bodies and, and, and our place in the world. So that was my thought. And I also thought like, goodness gracious, I hope people are out here eating more than almonds. Cause of course, like you're not, I mean, you're not going to function. It's like, yeah, it's really, I mean, I was sad. And yeah. 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 It is really sad. I feel like the one thing, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely hard to understand like how our, like our mom generation grew up. I don't think that my mom was an almond mom. Like if anything, my mom was always worried that I wasn't eating enough. Cause I was so active. I was a runner and she, I would always be, you know, sometimes it's like the cool thing in school to like skip breakfast. So like, I'm not eating breakfast today. And she'd be like, you are eating breakfast. You're going to have right. this, 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 this. <laughs> But then sometimes it was just like that time where all of that kind of like diet food was coming out. I She was one to put – my brother and I always you joke that she would give us like chocolate-covered fiber one bars for dessert <laughs> because like <laughs> – which is not great for school when you're like stuck in the classroom. But I don't think she was trying to make us lose weight. I think she would just learn about fiber and was like, this is going to be great. Um, and so that's why those videos kind of made me laugh. But then I read more into it. I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely didn't think it – like I didn't have like this dark part of it where she was like, don't eat it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. But if other people did, like, how can they kind of overcome these thought processes around food um, that maybe come from their parents? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you said something really, like, um, important, too, that, like, oftentimes we think about our parents and, and the way that they um, 
talk about food and, and its relation to our body. And like, sometimes our parents might have made comments or might have, um, I don't know, like given us like, uh, I I remember my, my mom like was all into like the Atkins stuff when it first came out, like this is your dessert kind of thing because it's Mm -hmm. chocolate. Like, I think that our parents sometimes like consciously aren't aware of the deep rooted like messages and Mm. perceptions that they hold about like food and our bodies. But I think in terms of to people who, who do have, or, or do, do have almond moms or were raised by an almond parent, I think, um, in order to overcome like those thoughts, thought processes, I think um, working with a clinician who's trained in, in evidence-based practices, such as like cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, um, dialectical, um, DBT, oh my gosh, I'm like so embarrassed, dialectical behavioral therapy and mindfulness, along with like a lot of interpersonal work in order to like identify those thoughts, have awareness of those thoughts, challenge and replace that internal monologue that like is repeatedly playing in our heads. Um, so that's, that's what I would always encourage is working with someone. And so then like, what would the outcome be or what does it look like to work through that? Or what is like on the other side of that, if you did work through that with somebody? Right. So I think on the other side would be hopefully like a gained level of awareness, because I think oftentimes like so much is thrown at us, whether it's like in social media, like on TV, our friends, our families making comments about food um, and our bodies um, that we don't really like, we're not really truly aware of what we're hearing and internalizing until like, you know, a month later or two weeks later, where like our behavior is sort of Mm -hmm. like activated. um, And we're behaving in ways that we typically wouldn't just because we, um, someone mentioned something about like uh, carbs being bad, like, oh my God, can't eat carbs, right? Like, so I think like awareness is like the first step. And it seems so simple, but so many of us don't have that. We can't recognize, oh my gosh, like this is a really maladaptive or unhelpful Mm -hmm. thought about food. And like, Mm -hmm we are like punishing our bodies, I guess, by not fueling our body because like Mm -hmm. this food is bad or I can't have this, um, because of something that was said or something that I saw on TV or, or, or this neck, this diet that this like model or whoever is doing. But so that would be a step. And that's the work that we would see in therapy is the awareness. And then later doing like the CBT, identifying the thoughts, maladaptive thoughts, replacing those thoughts with like positive, um, or more helpful behaviors or thoughts. Um, and then I really like acceptance and commitment therapy because in it, we sort of acceptance and commitment therapy and uh, dialect dialectical behavioral therapy. Like we talk about like just radical acceptance of like, okay, this is where I am in the world. This is who I am. I don't need to really change because of like external pressures. Like mm-hmm. this is intrinsic. Like this is coming from within to become the best version of myself. Um, so that's what the road would look like. And I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense in my clinical mind because I'm how my brain works, but does that make sense? Yeah, I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, uh, you have been cheering me on as I've been like finally going through therapy for the last like couple months. And so like, yeah, I, like, <laughs> like a lot of the things we talk about are like, I'm like, oh, I just don't like I'm having this thought process. She's like, well, you're going to have those thought processes. Let's accept it. But like, let's figure out kind of like how to move on. Cause I thought, I thought going to therapy, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to fix this. She's like, we're not going to sure. fix it. Yeah. She's yeah. like, we're going to process through it and we're going to like, kind of accept it. And at first I was like, well, that sucks. Like I just want it to be gone. But now I understand Thank that it's me. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, that also reminds me of a client I had recently, 
And I was thinking it was this past week and she was trying to ask me like what the best dessert was, like which protein bar was the best dessert. I'm like, sure, we can use protein bars as dessert. But I was like, you can also just have a dessert. Like it doesn't have to be like this protein thing. But that she like never even thought about that like, oh, I can just like have a dessert. And so it kind of reminds me of what you're saying about like maybe all these thought like these things that she was even seeing online always like every single food has to have like a specific purpose. And a lot of times when I tell clients like sometimes food can just be food. It doesn't have to be like another thing. Like it can be just like chocolate that's not even dark. Um, And so I feel like that's kind of what you're saying too. Is that right? Like not even knowing you had those thoughts. Right. Not even having the conscious awareness that we have these thoughts. Um, And you mentioned like in hearing you talk about this client, I thought about, um, oh, sort of like giving ourselves permission, right? Just as you do with your clients, um, which I think is amazing just watching your program. Like it's not one that feels like it's like marketed toward like, um, you know, you have to be like this size, right? In order to be like your best self. Like you're definitely encouraging people to improve their relationship with food and and give themselves permission to like eat the things that they want to eat um, while providing the education, which is like, it like it all comes down to basics so yes yeah I love it um and the last question I had about this topic was like how do we avoid becoming alma moms because I don't know if like maybe like if you grew up in this like how how are our moms know that it's even bad like what if we're doing something now that we don't realize is bad right like how do we even know that absolutely and I think the answer to that is like it depends and I don't know no I'm just kidding um (laughs) but it was like really I think like it's so interesting. I, I really enjoy working with women in the perinatal and postpartum period because in having children of our own, oftentimes things like things come out in our mothering that we maybe weren't conscious of um, throughout like our like pre-babies. Um, and so I think, again, awareness um, and also like self-compassion, right? Because like the things that you know about food, right? Like are things that you were taught and how are you supposed to know any different than what you were taught and what you heard? Um, So I think really shifting the perspective and this, I mean, this is going to take work because it's like an uphill, it feels like an uphill battle battle when you've spent 25, 30, 35, 40 years of your life um, sort of having your brain wired in a specific way to look at food in a particular way in your body and and self-esteem. But like, doing the work to shift that thought, um, shift that mindset and talking to ourselves and our littles about how incredible our bodies can be and what they do for us. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question. I think I got my soapbox, but basically like viewing food um, as fuel for our bodies that are powerful and amazing and they help us dance and move and like function. Um, But I think going back, like it really does start with awareness. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of people like in our twenties and thirties, we sort of start to to hit like a wall and in terms of like um, either progress or um, our, our, our self-esteem and it all comes back to like, okay, what's really going on in here mm-hmm. um, and, and what needs to, what needs to shift? What do I need to welcome? What do I need to change? Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think it does. I used to get like caught up in this. I'm not a parent, but definitely thinking about it. And I always like get caught up when I talk to my husband about like, you know, should we go to like, should we put ourselves in this house to send them to this school? Or like, what if they grow up like this? What do we, what do we need to grow up like this? And he's, I don't know how he's so wise on some of these answers. He's like, I think it more so matters how we act like, and then they model it. Like not like what we do or like what we, what school we put them in or what sport we have them play. And so I feel like that's what I'm kind of getting from what you're saying. Like how we kind of think about ourselves and how we also like talk about food to ourselves is what our kids learn. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 
and how we talk out how we talk about our bodies in front of our children and to ourselves like I um oftentimes I, I heard something recently about how like you know affirmations are incredibly helpful and oftentimes like when when we have a thought of like I x it's oftentimes negative like let's say like you slip up at work or like I don't know like you do something really like socially awkward in public, then you're like thinking like, I'm so this, I'm so that. So like affirmations about our bodies or talking about our bodies, like, oh my gosh, like I'll say to my son, like, oh my gosh, like your body's so strong and you're so fast. And like you, um, like your, your food helps fill, fill your belly and that gives you fuel and you're going to be the fastest. And he's like, yeah, I'm so strong. Like really like enhancing, like the, uh, like talking about our bodies and our children's bodies in a positive way, but not objectifying them. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Instead of saying like, yeah. And then like a superficial way, like you were talking about like more functional, like more benefits than just like looking good is what I'm getting from that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you love our realistic approach on nutrition, but want to dive a little bit deeper? Let me tell you about the millennial living membership program. This was designed to help you stay motivated and inspired no matter what health journey you're on. We develop monthly nutrition and fitness challenges with prizes you can win if you stick with it to help motivate you through every month. To inspire you, we upload weekly recipes with downloadable food lists, monthly food demos, and we can even have a registered dietitian answer your questions on nutrition and weight loss. Our members form a community with other like-minded people to help support each other on their health journey. If you are seeking a way to stay motivated throughout your health journey with our method in mind, try signing up for the Millennial Living Membership Program for the first two weeks free by signing up on our website at themillennialnutritionist.com. Let's move on to our actual interview, which which feeds into this too. So I really wanted to peg your brain about how we improve our body image. Cause I kind of work on the opposite side of things. I mean, really as a dietitian, I'm really just trying to make sure somebody's not super hungry. And if they're having cravings, it's not coming from like a protein deficit, you know, something like that. But I do see cool changes in body confidence, but I still don't feel like it's necessarily my area to talk about. So I want to kind of pick your brain about it. So the first question I had for you was, can you just like generally explain like what is positive body image um, or no, why is like positive body image, like, or having confidence important? Oh my gosh. Um, so I think like when we think about, um, body image confidence and just self-esteem in general, there, um, there are many domains to self-esteem. Um, however, I think that it all sort of falls on just like interpersonal relationships and, um, interpersonal effectiveness. So, body image is important because it affects everything. Uh, Self-esteem, self-confidence is important because it truly does affect everything. If a client comes to you and they're feeling like in the pits because they have this uh, negative perception about their body, right? Like it's going to affect like their work ethic. It's going to affect the way that they talk to themselves, that internal dialogue that they have. It's going to affect their interpersonal relationships, like with friends, um, it's going to affect their overall mental health, right? Like oftentimes what we see is people with low self-esteem sometimes can present with like other depressive symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's having a positive body image doesn't necessarily mean like um, having the most perfect body image, right? Like what I want, what I strive um, 
with, with my clients and my work is like getting to a place where we're at like a neutral, like mm-hmm. neutral, positive body image, right? Because like perfection is the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. And so it's important because like when we feel good, when we feel capable, when we feel like, when we feel powerful, when we feel good, even though I just said that, like we, everything else is good or, yeah. or our perspective sort of changes to that. Like when we have a negative perspective, when we have um, zero to no confidence, low self-esteem um, poor body image, I think that like, it definitely shows in ev- like every aspect of our lives. So that's why it's important because it affects everything. Is that vague? Um, does that make sense? No, it makes sense because I do hear that a lot, but I've never thought about that. Like with some clients who do have really low self-esteem or low body image, like they don't want to go try on clothes at the store or that act really overwhelms them or they don't want to. I mean, sometimes I get clients that don't even want to be social anymore because they don't want to be taken, like they don't want to be in pictures or they don't want to date because they're so afraid of what they, you know, feel like. So I feel like that's kind of what I'm understanding is what you're saying, right? It affects like when I say like interpersonal relationships, all of it, right? Like, Mm -hmm from dating to social relationships, like everything interpersonally that you can think of when we have low self-esteem, um, low confidence, low body image, um, or negative body image, it's going to affect all of those things and lead to isolation. And then we sort of just get stuck, um, because we don't know, we don't know what to do. Like you sort of feel helpless. And I can imagine maybe you have clients that come to you who are like, I don't know what else to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy that it's not like, it's not like a, if this person weighs this much, I see it more than these people. Like it's, it seems like it's not specific to the amount of weight that they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's all about perception of self. Right. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we think about body image. It's like, Oh, it's like aesthetics. It's like my hair It's like this, but like what body image truly is, is like your perception of yourself um, and how deeply that impacts just, I mean, everything. Can you just, can you explain like, what does low body image look like? Just like maybe somebody doesn't realize they even have it. Like, can you describe what that would look like or sound like? What it typically will look like is um, like isolation or like it can negatively impact interpersonal relationships, Mm -hmm. um, your work life. Um, And oftentimes what I find with people is that they really just engage in like this like negative, like catastrophic style of thinking about all things. Um, Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what we see or what I've seen is that like, it's almost sort of like activates this like fight or flight response where it's like your, their body is sort of like um, stressed, like all the time. Like, and oftentimes what that, when we, when people think about fight or flight, they think like something really scary has happened. And I like have to either run for my life or I have to freeze here. Um, But like, oftentimes what that looks like with low self-esteem is like withdrawal, right? So Mm -hmm. social isolation, I'm not going on a date, like, I'm not taking pictures. I'm not going to like my best friend's birthday party. I'm not going to like this work event um, or lashing out. So it could be like, I see either or withdrawal or like just being really negative and like Mm. mean and um, not being your best self. And we all like, I think it's our right to just be, to, to be the best version of ourselves, but that's typically what it can look like. So I oftentimes think too, that like negative, negative self-esteem ties into like um, our worst core fears. And I think as humans, like we're not meant to be alone, right. We're, mm-hmm. we're not like, when you think about like a long time ago, like, back yeah, like caveman the, days, right. Like caveman days, like we weren't meant to be alone. We had a village and, and so negative self-esteem, negative body image, we sort of turn inward or lash mm-hmm. out. Ultimately that sort of leads to isolation. And so 
that's what I have seen it to look like. I mean, there are several other ways it could look like too, but okay. That's what it looks, yeah. And then on the opposite end, then like, what does, or you, I guess we should say instead, like metal, middle of the road self-esteem look like, like what should we aiming before? What's, what's on the other end? Oh my gosh. Yes. Middle. That's where I strive. I mean, we all deserve to be there. I wish we could all be there right now. Um, but so basically it means like that you have this level of awareness of like who you are, what you bring to the world, um, how lucky the world is to have you, how lucky that your friends are to have you without being like, like you feel good, right? Without, mm-hmm. while, while also having level of awareness that you are, we're constantly working to be, to feel good, whether that is like um, moving our bodies or fueling our bodies with food that makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have positive and healthy relationships. We can look in the mirror and say like, oh my gosh, like, you know, my body's so strong. It woke me up today. I look good. Like, and not just from like an aesthetic perspective, but like, I look good and I feel good, right? Like I love being me. And I feel like, I don't know if you've heard, um, Snoop Dogg has like a kid's affirmations album. No way. Uh, oh my gosh. You, everyone needs to listen to that song. What it's called affirmations by doggy land. It will like, it's exactly what this podcast is about today. Like just okay. feeling really right. Feeling good about yourself while also recognizing that what we call flaws um, or what we consider our flaws to be are often our strong suits in a way, right? Like our deficits can present as like as strong suits. And we oftentimes don't see that. Like we oftentimes think like, um, oh, I'm forgetful. Okay, cool. You're forgetful, but you know what? That means you're really present. Like you're present in the moment, right? Like a a deficit can be something positive too. But I think where I would hope for people to be is just this place where it's like, you know what? It feels good to be me. Maybe not every single day, but like, I know that I bring purpose. I know that I'm capable. I know that I'm strong. Um, And I know that I'm actively working to where I want to be, not where I think everyone else wants me to be. Yeah, no, I I feel like that's a good way to describe it. And that's something I didn't realize about myself. I think that's why I was like in a really low place. Kind of, well, not like a super low place, but I just felt like out of it when I kind of moved to Texas because I like going to Meredith, we both went to the same undergrad. Like everybody wants to be friends. Everybody's so friendly. <laughs> and like for me, it wasn't body image, but I think I didn't realize like how weird it would feel to like have to start all the way over. Like, of course, I was, I was like, I got this. Like I'll, you know, be able to make friends. I'm a friendly person, but it really tested so much of my self-esteem because the whole time I was thinking like, oh, do they like me? Of course they don't like me. Like I said, this one thing wrong. And then it made me like in a spiral <laughs> to yeah. feel like, and so then when I went to therapy, like I was like, wow, I didn't realize like how low my self-esteem was that like I thought I was like super confident and then like kind of working on like being like there's other things that I like besides just being social like I do like working on business sometimes I like just being creative and looking at things and like throughout therapy I was like I'm actually becoming a lot more confident and I didn't realize that was an issue and I feel like that's kind of what you're describing too yeah yeah absolutely and I will add Isla it is really it can feel really hard to make friends like in your late 20s and (laughs) 30s. It's a lot different than it was in college. Like, yeah, it is. I can't imagine having just uproot and like move to a brand new place. Like, kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Um, well, I feel like you really sold us because that sounds like the perfect life of like, or a really great life of feeling good about yourself and like accepting everything about yourself and not having it really bog you down. So can you tell us some tips on like what you can do to improve your body image or self-confidence? Like, can you give me your top five? Let's start with the first one. I'm a little biased, but I'm always, I will often encourage people to go to therapy. Yeah. We can't, um, we can't do this, um, on our own. Like I'm sure we, we can do absolutely do some work on our own, but when it comes to awareness and really, um, uh, identifying like maladaptive or unhealthy thoughts or like the origin of where, like all of this might come from, we, we need someone who's trained, um, to, to help us explore, to help us process, to help us just be, and to welcome us as we are, um, in therapy, like we'll learn self-compassion, which some of us are horrible at, um, self-acceptance. And I think most importantly, I think learning like what will the origin, right? Like what is the story that you've been told about yourself, like Mm -hmm. your body, your self-esteem, and what is the story? Like, what do you want your story to be? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's therapy for that. And then I think, um, also just, I encourage people to be gentle with themselves and their bodies, especially during the pregnancy and postpartum period. And so many women struggle during this time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing is just to, to go outside being outside, like so many, so beneficial, um, get some sun people. Like it's so, it's just, it's good for us. Like go outside. And I don't mean like go outside and like run a half marathon. I mean, just like go outside, like walk around, like just be outside. Um, and then I think one thing I, I said and mentioned earlier was like really analyzing how, how our weaknesses might connect to our strengths. So the really poor example I used was like, I'm forgetful, but that means I'm present. Like I'm, yeah. I'm here and a lot of us struggle with being present. Um, so I often encourage people just limit, limit screen time. Um, mm. or, um, if you can't do that, or if that feels, or if you're someone who like your job is to be on social media, um, to limit, um, the accounts that you follow that don't make you feel great about yourself. Because oftentimes like we were literally just like slapped in the face with all of these like negative expectations, like things that really distort, like our perception of self, like in social media, on TV, of people that we hang around, um, things that we hear from our own families. And so I think those would be my five things. If they're five in terms of like social media, it can sometimes completely obliterate like our self-confidence and self-esteem. Why is yeah. that? Cause I mean, I, it's true. Like the, I, n- I never really feel good coming off of social media, but right. it's like sucked in, but I don't exactly know why. Cause I don't feel like it should be like a harmful place. I don't, but I don't know why. I think it cut like when I think about it, I think about how it always feels like the grass is all yeah. grass is greener on the other side. And social media expects um exposes us to everyone's every like all the other grasses that we don't have, right? Yeah. It often causes us to neglect like our own grass, right? And the grass is often greener where we water it, not truly mm-hmm. on the other side. And I, I think on social media we're exposed to things like, uh, like to people who are like to unrealistic beauty standards essentially, or like, or, or body image standards or like, um, uh, like even like success standards, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think we just don't realize that as humans, like it's in our nature to, to keep up, right? Like survive or we don't, we die essentially. But, um, so I think like, I think it really also goes, comes down to like our biology and our need to like often keep up. Like we're uh-huh. um, a, um, a species of survival. So mm-hmm. in terms of like aesthetics and like beauty and um, 
stuff like that, it's just unrealistic. Like we're all going to age. We're all going to, our bodies are going to change. Um, so I think to answer your question, I think it's because we're just exposed to, to what we think so much, oh. right, so much, but, um, and why isn't that the same if you just like go, cause I never understand why, why isn't it the same feeling as if you were just like to go have coffee with three friends? Cause it's sometimes I'm like, either way, it's the same, right? But is it, you think like the sheer volume of what you're getting exposed to on social media? Girlfriend, yes. If you're <laughs> sipping on a chai latte with three friends, are you also looking at like, I don't know, however many people you see like per scroll, right? Like, yeah. Right. And like the cutest, like, I don't know, like new outfit or boots or like, yeah. Uh, and the edited you, pictures. Right, right, right. No, we're not like when please go out with friends, please have the coffee. That's so much better for us or our mental health um, than it is to see, to be exposed, to have all these things mm-hmm. telling us like, oh, this is what you need to look like. Right. What you need to buy. This is what you need to wear. Um, when we think about like infants and like toddlers, like when their bodies change and grow, like we're not like, oh my gosh, like here, have an almond or to it well, or whatever it is Judy said. We're like, oh my gosh, yay, your body's growing, your body's changing. We're teaching them about their bodies. And um, we don't do that for ourselves. Once we get to like college, it's That's like, true. oh, no, like, I have to look this way. It's like, honey, like, no, our bodies are meant to grow. And it's a good thing that mm-hmm. we're growing and changing. Like, um, we are born with like our own individual set of genetics that really determine that. Um, and people forget that. So I think like, having self-compassion and just that awareness of like, oh my gosh, all these things society and social media tells us or tell us aren't necessarily the absolute truth. Yeah, no, Courtney and I, um, Courtney is our, um, is a dietitian on our team and we did a podcast episode recently that I encourage everybody to talk about that kind of reminds me of this, um, where we kind of talked about all the benefits of having fat on your body. Cause there is benefits like cushions you from falls. It, there's, it gives off estrogen that can help your bones be stronger. It helps your bones be stronger because there's weight on them. Like there are reasons to kind of have it on there. And the more I learn about bodies and remind myself about like why we have certain things that other people like don't like like the weird trend now where people are like taking out their like cheek fat and stuff it's like okay but that is there for a reason and let's appreciate why it's there as opposed to just getting sucked into what social media is saying which is like all interesting like oh my gosh like my body is beautiful for the thing that it thinks that it does for me and I can help fuel it and like in fueling it in moving it like that then will really truly like help our 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 self-esteem like increase and um yeah, and be where it needs to be. But I think limiting social media, if we can, being outside, going to therapy, uh, practicing self-compassion, um, and being gentle with our bodies. Those are all helpful tools. Well, if somebody is listening to this episode and they're like, oh my gosh, I need some help with this because I didn't even realize it was a problem and I need to start this therapy journey, uh, where can they go to find a therapist that's going to work best with them? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, definitely don't go to like a life coach because they are not often so unless they're like certified there. So there's been this trend on social media with like life coaches who say they're like trained mental health clinicians or psychologists or psychotherapists and they're not. What? Yeah. 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 Um, so life coach does not equate to like a mental health clinician or a psychotherapist, but, um, I would definitely say psychology today is a really great place. You can narrow it down, um, by like preference, um, and like insurance, which is important. Um, oftentimes let's see what else, um, community groups. So like if you're on Facebook, um, I don't know if many people are on Facebook anymore, but there are different community groups where like, um, therapists and clinicians come together and, um, you can find them that way. Um, also asking your primary care provider, um, 
and therapy den is another place. Um, postpartum support international to my mom is out there who want a clinician that's trained in perinatal mental health. I am there and I can help connect you. We also have lots of free groups for, um, women, um, and, and birthing people and parents, um, and also therapy den. I don't know if I said that. I think I did, but ultimately we could always reach out to our insurance companies and mm. they can help refer us to, to someone who's a network. And then what if somebody is, um, cause I've had this question quite a bit, somebody, if like we as a dietitian are kind of like realizing that like maybe something behind the scenes is going on, like not that they have an eating disorder, but like we notice that they have a weird thought process around food that they're not able to get over like with us, like what kind of provider should they be looking for? Like, would anybody be able to handle that? Do they go to an eating disorder, uh, therapist? Like, what does that look like? I would definitely recommend, um, going to someone who is a certified eating disorder specialist. So They'll have like a CED after their name, um, but is also like a licensed trained clinician. So mm-hmm. I would look for that um, or someone who um, is well-versed in eating disorders or disordered eating. Um, okay. So oftentimes clinicians will have that in their bios um, and we can find it that way too. And on psychology today, you can sort of like um, select what issues, what presenting issues you have or what you want to talk about in therapy and it can help narrow down your search. Okay. That's really helpful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, today, Jylan. I think this was really interesting and helpful even for myself. Yay. Oh, I'm so glad. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode.